Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 57 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. My guest today is Manny Hoffman. Manny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited for today. I'm excited too. Guys, so Manny is the CEO of PTEX Group, an award-winning business solutions agency headquartered in Brooklyn, New York, my hometown, where I hail from originally really long time ago. He is a lifelong entrepreneur, is passionate about collaborating with growing businesses to create winning strategies that allow them to lead and flourish. Manny's also the founder of the LTB Let's Talk Business platform, which offers business education to entrepreneurs and business people looking to learn, grow, and lead. And he's a proud husband and father of seven. So I, I think we're going to be getting into some work-life balance or, or family life balance or parent business owner balance strategies today, uh, which I'm excited to hear from you as well. By the way, as, as a mom of five myself, I think that any advice any of us parent business owners can get is great. So Manny, tell us a little more like how did you get into this altogether? Sure. So there's a long story. Um, we just, um, um, in January was 18 years since we get we got started over here. Wow. So, a while. Um, but so I'll try to remember. Maybe I'll leave out some episodes, uh, but I get into the what your listeners will enjoy. Uh, basically, it started at a young age. Um, my first business card I designed when I was 13 and a half. Still have it. And when my friends were playing games or trying to figure out what to do with the computer, I felt that let me create stuff. So that that's that will just tell you the style of a person I am. I'm the entrepreneur by heart, by nature. Um, I was the kid with the lemonade stand or finding stuff that I could re uh, sell or reorganize in my house. And so that's where my journey started. Obviously, I didn't drop out of school at 13, don't get scared. And I'm not recommending it to anybody, but I'm just giving you that feel and the vibe where it started. And as I was ready to do something, I felt that creating stuff is where I want to be. I'm not necessarily a graphic designer. People find this very interesting because I've never designed anything. Maybe in the first few months, I played around with with Word to start designing, but I was more of the business side of things. And early on, I made a decision in my life, and with you know, with God's help, um, I wanted to do something that whatever I do could be multiplied. So if I'm the graphic designer myself, or if I'm doing something. You know, I'll trade my hour for a dollar or I'll trade my time for somebody buying something and using it and so on and so forth. But if I go into the creative space, helping businesses grow, uh, doing, you know, campaigns for people that help move their business forward, you know, the work that I'm putting in today could be for months and years to come. You know, the results that person is actually feeling from the work I do. So that was my original feeling when I entered the business. I said either I could do it myself and, and always be you know, bogged down by doing everything myself, or I could build a company around it and bring in people that might even be better than me. And we could talk about that, you know, having that feeling and knowing that people could outsmart you as, as employees. I'm totally cool with that. But um, 
And this is, you know, 18 years later, we have uh, over 30 employees, uh, growing company, um, a lot of ups and downs as every company has, but um, really excited to where we are, what we achieved and where we're going from here. I love that. So is the company more, is it more of a marketing agency? Like I run a consultancy. Um, so consulting firms and, and my company is modeled after kind of a larger or other boutique consulting firms. And uh, it doesn't sound like that's what you do. It sounds like it's more agency style. Yeah. So we're, we, we call ourselves um, um, a business and marketing service agency, okay. uh, which I mean by that is that there is a, we have four divisions. You know, our model is we help growing businesses flourish. So mm -hmm. you have proof of concept, but you're looking for to get to the next level. Most people start off with a certain strategy, and I know that's what you do as well, and we could speak about that. But then mm -hmm. we have four divisions within our company focusing on different pieces of what a company needs. So figure, like, let's say we have our branding and marketing, very much strategic positioning and, and, and branding and long-term marketing. Mm -hmm. We have day-to-day, -day you know, printing and design on the services side. We have web development and then even have an in-house call center. And when you look at those different services, people say, um, why do you need all these different services? But we're almost like a very simple model, like you see a Whole Foods, um, that once upon a time you had the fruit store and you had the meat department and different you were actually going in different places for different services now you could go to whole foods and you can have the best of all worlds why because you have the people doing produce and whole foods are experts in, in in produce and the meat department is expert in the meat department for its client experience they could have the same level of experience across the whole uh, you know the infrastructure of whole foods but yes it's the same thing all of those services are integrated and which means is a lot of clients would go to a boutique branding agency, but then they're not going to touch their website. Now they're stuck finding another vendor that has to see the same vision, same implementation of what the branding strategist had. So we added those services and the needs of our clients in order to be able to give them whatever we are able to strategize, we're able to execute. Love that. And you and I really, it's so funny. I like that you said that before. Not only are we coming from the same place, but guys, for all of you listening, I, there are like three companies that I would consider my closest to direct competitors, and many's one of them. Um, <laughs> we have had quite a few clients cross over. Like I know some of my clients, when they're done with me, they've gone to you, and I've gone a couple of your guys when they're done with <laughs> you as well. Um, so cool. if, if I could list out like on my competitive analysis, like my top five, you're in there. Um, okay. But I don't believe in competition as a pie that like we kind of have to fight over. I believe in it as collaboration, as growth. Um, and so I'm totally excited to have you yeah. here. So do you, do you want to hear a good line that I use a lot? Yes. Is people ask me about competition. I always say we don't have competition at all. However, we might compete on projects. And it's a very good mindset. Why? Because you're building a company with your vision, where you want to go, and you're looking at it, you're the solo in the space. However, a client have, has choices. So now you have to adapt because the you're basically competing on the project side and they have to make a decision. Am I going with this agency, that agency, this has their, their uniquenesses and then the other has their unique selling points and so on and so forth. If you look at it that way, a, it keeps the, your finger on the pulse as far as growing your business versus looking whatever everybody else is doing, trying to copy, and then finding out that they're, they, don't know, they don't know what they're doing, and you're just copying that, and versus building your own vision, which is important, and we can speak about you know casting, having your vision and casting it on your team and so on and so forth, but then but people that say that we have they don't don't have to look what anybody else is doing is just they're not looking on the market space because they are competing on projects. 
Totally. I like that line a lot. Um, for me, I would say like, I don't have any direct petters because I don't know any other small business consultancies. Like no one else is doing that. But the way you describe it, and again, coming from that same place, like I built my business also because small business owners, they hop around, right? And no one ever mm. sees their whole picture. And so I wanted to build something where not just your marketing, but also your financials, also your staff, like the total business mm -hmm. direction. It's all under one roof. So you don't have the financial guy saying, well, you can't spend any money and your marketing guy going, I need at least $10,000 or you're going to be a failure. And then you're like, help, mm -hmm. <laughs> like nobody can communicate. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think if you look at the, 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 the small business failure rate um, and, and people don't realize that, and you could look at statistics, 80% to 90% fail within the first five years, those numbers, regardless of what the numbers are, People think those are people that never made it and didn't make sales and they were able, they basically, their idea died and they went under. And in reality, those are basically have millions or even billions of dollars in revenue and they still fail. And I would say one of the biggest reasons, and we could go into a little bit in depth if the time is now, um, but um, it's managing the growth. It's easy to grow a business in today's day and age because there's so much, so much of availability at your fingertip. Your 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 network. You go out, you find friends and family to support you. Give you know the, those are the first few clients. But when you go from growing a company to managing the growth, that's where most people fail, and we, and that's where scalability comes into play. And a lot of it is where you start realizing that your sales, marketing, um, operations, and finance don't connect. And therefore, you now have a little bit of everything, but you don't have a scalable model where those things connect in a way that let's just pour more gas on the fire and it's going to just explode. Totally, totally. It's so funny because I gave a talk about that last year at a conference. It was exactly that. And that was my opening line. Exactly what you just said, that people think, you know my talk? <laughs> That's exactly what I said. So most people think that small business that fails, that they never got off the ground. But what happens is, it's that they got to a point where they were about to tip and they couldn't figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, and they couldn't tip either they can't keep up with the growth or their stuff doesn't align so that when they grow the whole thing just cracks at the edges or they don't mm -hmm. know how to get beyond the audience mm -hmm. that they've built and they can't sustain that and they fall there mm -hmm. like there's there are a lot of reasons but it's very very often it's the tipping point where people fall off the edge yeah and and jim collins which one of my favorite authors and the author of the book got to great good to and great so on yeah. and so forth, he actually just gave out a very small book it's called the flywheel Ooh, and he actually yeah, haven't heard of it. It's a very thin book. It's he doesn't even call it a book. It's like almost like he didn't know where to put it, so he put it in <laughs> like a small book. It just came out like two weeks ago. And nice. he speaks about the flywheel, which is that as soon as you figure out the flywheel of your like how those things connect, mm -hmm. you just go on and on and grow and grow and grow and grow. And any of those components are just disconnected, almost like a track of a train. And and that's all your work that comes down crashing. So right. that's why you have to make sure those, 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 those pieces are really connected. Totally. And that's what I do. I teach people, I try at least to get them from the beginning <laughs> to mm -hmm. build it, build it right from the ground up. So since we're coming from so much the same place, but we landed in different places, I'm curious, how did you land specifically in kind of more the marketing agency space? And I know we call it business and marketing services, but if I look at brand marketing, strategic positioning, print and design, web dev and call center, those kind of all fall under the marketing and sales. Why mm -hmm. that direction more than anything else? Because um, we love creativity, meaning to say, so we landed to a place where we want to help growing businesses flourish. And, and a lot of people will be great 
uh, the idea they have or the business side of things to figure out they're great in numbers, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to somebody to actually brand them or take whatever message they have and and whatever they have inside them or inside of the company and really make that into something that other people would want to work with. So we felt that that's where we could add the most value. Obviously, you mentioned in the, in, in the intro, the LTB, the Let's Talk Business Platform, which we educate people on stuff just because you cannot leave that out. So if we only speak about the marketing side of things um, um, and, and leave out the business side of things and the leadership side of things and so on and so forth, going back to the flywheel, you won't have a full picture. But it's just a lot of the other stuff are very boring and the people that we were able to associate it with and building out uh, were the people that wanted to contribute in the creative side of that flywheel. I love that. And I love that you started it. And I think this is something guys, for all of you listening to really be aware of. Um, many said at the beginning, he never wanted to start something where he was trading hours for dollars. So he built it for you, right? <laughs> Scalable from the very, very beginning. And I think a lot of business owners, and I'm going to put myself included in there, um, you know, you come with a talent and a passion and you start from that point. Um, and again, we go back, let's say the E-Myth, you know, and, and Gerber principles, like you're a technician, are you the entrepreneur? Are you the manager? But even when you're the entrepreneur, sometimes you are the technician. And I love the idea, and this is totally not what I did at all. I did not, I came in always with the vision to build a company, but my idea was I'm going to do it first and then I'm going to train and build from there. And I like that you came in going, I don't even need to do it. I never need to do it. I can hire people that are smarter than me. I can hire people that know it even better than me. I just need to run the thing. Yeah. So, but, but I do want to um, um, uh, differentiate by somebody saying that I don't want to get my feet wet versus somebody building in a way that it's a scalable model, which means that um, I have salespeople. But the reason why I could relate to how they speak to people and what they do, because I went outside knocking on doors in the earlier years. I have stocked the the kitchen. I have actually uh, unclocked the the bathroom when needed, you know. So I'm another guy. I'm actually very much in, in in the grind. However, as you build your team, you figure out, and we, if you want, I could share with you a little bit when we speak about organizational chart, how do people go out from doing everything to doing a little, um, you know, parts of it. But at one point, you need to be able to know if I'm the CEO of a company, there are certain things that only I will do. And if I don't do it, nobody else in the company will do. And if you just continue to micromanage and do what other people are hired to do, you end up, um, A, not giving them the autonomy and they're not good at the job, but ultimately the stuff that it's on your plate is not being done. So in the earlier years, I struggled a lot with that till I figured out, you know, you have to be disciplined about what is your role now in the next phase of the company and so on and so forth. So it might be your phase, as you're starting the company, it might be everything, but as soon as you start hiring, what are the things you're pushing back and giving over to you know to the other people? Um, if in should I go in a little bit of details on that? Yeah, yeah, go in detail for okay. that because I think sure. that's such a big topic for so many people. Um, because the truth is, and guys, like sit down, hold on to something. You cannot scale if you're just one person. Yes, and and people always ask me when is like people say you know I hired my first employee it didn't work out I'm back to my being my own you know being doing everything myself I'm afraid to hire again, and I'll give you a method that I've you know developed throughout the years and I've t- uh, given this to other business owners and I hope you hopefully your listeners will will appreciate it. So when is it when is it time to hire your first employee? 
And the, what, I, what I find is that usually before you hire the first person, those are the people I'm so busy. I, I just don't have enough time. I have so much on my list. I, at the end of the day, I didn't even cross off half of my list. And th that's the conversation you have with business owners. But the problem is they're hiring a person thinking they're going to gain more time. And the problem is if the person will only be cloning you, um, you're not taking account that you're actually going to have to spend time leading and managing and training and stuff like that. For the, for the very few months, the first few months till you don't figure this out, you're going to actually lose part of your own time. So that's the first thing. So my goal is the first person you should hire when you're able to have somebody that could come and complement your weakness. Because then what happens is the two of you are almost one plus one equals three. Because let's say you're terrible at the details or you're terrible at sales and you spend so much of your time on sales and you're not effective. So now you're hiring the salesperson between you doing all the execution and that salesperson killing it with sales, one plus one equals three. Because between the two of you, because one is complementing the other, you're able to accomplish much. So that's my first, um, just the basic before you go hire, figure out are you hiring just because I need an assistant, I need help? and you're not counting how much time it's gonna take you to lead and manage and train and so on and so forth, or you take them, somebody to compliment. Now, the other thing is, as soon as you open a corporation, because you have this idea, you're going to open a, business, a, a bank account, I, I, I teach people to create an organizational chart. Yes, people say, what do you mean I need an organizational chart? My peop, my, this is usually for Fortune 500 companies and they wanna show off who is working and who is the direct report. The way I do it and I teach people is create a organizational chart that has boxes of responsibilities, no names, all the responsibilities your company will need. It's going to be bookkeeping. It's going to be accounts receivable, accounts payable, who opens the shop, who closes, who, um, whatever, operations, sales, marketing. And if you, are, if you have a partner, you might divide it. If you're single, self-employed, your name will be in every box. But when you're ready to hire the first person, your question will be, which box is that person taking away from me? Oh, I love and, that. I had an org chart since my first hire, but it didn't look like this. I like this idea a lot. And, and how do you know which box to give away? That's another tip over here is what are the things you hate doing or you're just not good at? And those are the boxes you start checking off. Why? Because then you start getting the value of that employee. So instead of the hiring an employee and that person is so busy, but you're not seeing the value, my margin just went down because I just hired another person because you didn't give them a full built out of a responsibility and, and you freed up that time that you used to do that. And this is how you grow and you continue to grow and adding those, taking away the boxes till at one point you end up with those boxes that are CEO level or maybe you love doing it. Like a lot of people love doing sales. You know, they have, they have hundreds of employees. They still do sales. So keep it. You're the totally boss. Be <laughs> you can decide which box you want to keep. But at least when you're hiring, make sure that the person comes in in a way where you give over the boxes. So I'm not sure where we got to this point. No, I love that. <laughs> That's fantastic. And it's so valuable. I think, and I teach, and I, I love, I'll, I'll say this again. I totally see why we share clients. <laughs> Very similar. But I love the different angles that you come into things. Like I teach a whole like matrix and this whole like, you know, three by three system to find your hires. But at the end of the day, it's all the same principles. It's yep. all the same business ideas. The idea is leverage. Um, mm -hmm. It's not that you can't grow as one person. You can, and you can grow a business to a point, but you cannot scale. You hit a mm -hmm. ceiling. 
Yeah, so the person needs to know their preference. Do they want a lifestyle? Do they want to build a company? Like there are people that I want to be able to work remote from wherever I want and I just take my clients and on, on, the, on, on the, the, the amount of clients that I want. So, and that's perfectly fine, whatever works for you. But if you have the mindset of growing the company, growing an agency, whatever it is, you have to set yourself up for that. Right. I mean, let's talk a second about remote because my entire team is remote. I actually hired someone local last year and I was like, oh, get out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> my team is in five time zones, which works because my clients are in like six or seven. And, uh, and I find that a remote team is great. And I think I know your entire team is local. You work out of one massive center. Um, so tell me a little bit about that because I'm very familiar with the remote team and I actually don't understand how people get anything done if all their employees are in their space. So, um, um, you're, if you spoke to me two years ago, I would be way more passionate about everybody has to be in one location. Now, obviously, the, the market is changing. It's certain, you know, I'm a little bit more lenient towards it. But today in the morning, we have, we have weekly huddles. Nothing like being in one room, having the 50-minute huddle, and giving a high five to an employee and everybody clapping. You can't do this through Zoom doesn't work the same that. way uh, the kitchen we you know the ki you know having those conversations in the kitchen and and, and over you know cereal that we offer to our employees yeah it doesn't happen over zoom um, um our ethos which is our core values and we can speak about that how we enforce it and we speak about it there is companies that do it effectively but it's way harder to manage. So when you have a lot of clients that you want to give them that feeling, they walk up in the office, they feel that you're part of their, we're partners, not service providers. How do we see we're partners sitting in a client, in a conference room with our clients and the, bringing in the different team members working on the project? It is something to it. Now, however, we're a little bit more lenient towards, okay, an employee doesn't have to come in every day now if they moved out of town, they could work remotely, they could log in, they could have Zoom calls. So technology helped a lot. But it still doesn't um, um, it doesn't um, replace everything unless part of your core values and your culture is that freedom of remote. So you use that to your advantage. So that's probably part of it. <laughs> I have I have a lot of uh, other working moms on my team, and I, I kind of say to people that if you really want to have a work life balance, um, you kind of need to run your own company, but the truth is they really either need to run their own company or just work for me. Um, <laughs> I give, I give yeah. my employees a lot of, of space, but it, I couldn't not, right? If, if my whole thing is what, it, what do I help people do every day to help them yeah. build that work-life balance, build that best money and that best life, how could I tell my employees like, no, you have yeah. to ruin your life to work for me. Okay, fine, but but I'll give you an example. I just had a conversation with one. I just had a conversation with one of our employees, and yeah. she's here with us for four and a half months. And she said the amount of of learning she, and growth she had in the four and a half months, just being part of the team and seeing how people that are way more experienced than her, let's say a graphic designer, nothing comes close. So take that the same experience. Everybody working remotely and just sending in their the graphics or their files or their branding. We wouldn't have been able to build most of our leaders are people that were became leaders within the company. Now there's a lot of companies that do it remote, but I'm saying the culture that I have built and the vision that I've seen transforms very well within an in-house team. Totally. Now I hear that. And I think it's also what your learning style is, right? If if um, you or your team have a lot of kinesthetic learners. The physical mm -hmm. proximity makes a big difference. Yep. I'm more visual auditory, and I think I hire people that are more visual auditory than anything else. They wouldn't want to work for me remotely full time. <laughs> 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 um, 
<laughs> so yeah. I think that has a lot to do with it also. But here's the thing, and this is what got me when I hired this local person last year, the interruptions. Like I'm spending a lot, if not most of my day in meetings. Um, mm -hmm. If someone needs me, so they're sending me a message or sending me a chat and then between meetings, I'm able to answer it. Um, but when you're in person, like I remember I had this person here and she's like coming, she's knocking on the door and I'm like, ahem, no, <laughs> that doesn't work. So, it, it, you know, I'll tell you, it's usually not that employee's fault. It's usually the leader's fault. Um, the way I deal with it is, let's say if I would just walk out of my office, go to the kitchen for a coffee, probably a couple of people come over to me and you have a minute. I want to discuss something with you. Mm -hmm. And my answer to that, obviously, not if it's an emergency, if it's an emergency, of course, I'll, I'll help them out. But usually what I would say is, you know, probably four o'clock, I have some time. And, mm -hmm. and then four o'clock, I would go over to them and say, oh, taken care of. Thanks. And that's how you train them. So most people love you should make decisions for them. And that's with employees, regardless, remote or in, in person. And as soon as you give, show them the way of let you make the decision and just use me when you really need me. And with examples like I just gave you, with time, they'll learn your style and they won't interrupt. For instance, I have a partner in a company. He's much more on, on the on the go and the cell phone and responding. And so the same client will call him. And if he doesn't pick up after two rings, they'll text him and, and try to get a response. That same person would leave me, send me an email. When can we schedule a call? Because they got as long as you know that you're going to be responding and you're going to call them back and you can tell them when you could schedule a call. They're fine. They get just most people don't realize that they are setting themselves up for that because they're just jumping on every message that they get and they're jumping on every email that you get. So, so a lot of it is your style versus um, other people interrupting you. I hear that. I like that. I guess I'm so used <laughs> to managing remotely that when I had someone live, I was like, ah, you know, my face. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I have no problem ignoring or telling people to wait when they're not here. <laughs> when they're standing at my door, it was much harder. <laughs> yes, yes. But I hear that. I like that. I, and I, I totally take that to heart, meaning the same boundaries that you set remotely, you can set locally. And for anybody who's local, the same boundaries you set locally, you can set remotely. Like it works. It's your sure. boundaries. And it doesn't matter kind of where your people are. Um, I like that a lot. So going back mm -hmm. to that whole work-life balance piece, right? So you're a father mm -hmm. of seven and you work um, also with a lot of small business owners. What are the kind of strategies that you you advise people to create that super elusive balance okay. today? Okay, so this is a touchy subject to me because I really feel people have this wrong. Um, the first thing is balance by nature is usually people think about it, it balances. That means let's say 100%, 50-50. Let me get 50% for my work, 50% of my life. And this is um, at the core, it's wrong. It doesn't work. I've not seen a single person that were able to balance almost like saying, okay, now I'm ready 55%, so I have to turn back. Um, the way I look at work-life balance is that you need to give it 100% in the given time that, that whoever needs it. So for instance, if you're a small business owner, um, when you're building your company, it's the early stages, give it all you got, but ask your family for support. Bring them in the conversation, your spouse, sometimes your children, saying, I'm, I'm doing this new venture. I'm setting up my new shop. I'm going to be a little bit absent, but we'll make it up. We'll go to a trip a little later, uh, you know, and, and later in the year. 
and they become so excited for you and they cheer you up and they actually give you the support and vice versa. Sometimes your family needs you more and you have to tell your people that you work with, I need a little bit of a break. I might, I might slack on timing. I might need some days off and give it to your family because they need it. Could be, you know, hopefully it's in, for good occasions. So that's in general that people don't look at it as 50-50. It's never going to work. You know, I remember the olden days where people had factories. It came 5 o'clock. They came home frustrated because they just had a, a cancellation of an order or whatever it is. And all they did is 5 o'clock I'm home because I left my job at 5 o'clock because 5.30 is dinner. The kids didn't have a good time by having parents that are totally not focused and is totally not part of the fa- – you know, that person rather stay another hour, get unwind, and come home at six, maybe some of the kids already ate dinner, but at least six o'clock you're there, you're giving them what they got. So that's in general my way of looking at it. And then to that, in practicality, is it really works. Meaning to say, I do a lot of speaking, I go to a lot of conferences, I, I, I am absent a lot of nights for, with my family, but I have certain non-negotiable things that I do with my family. Um, a great book on it, just in general, is is called The Five Languages of Love, which is in, in life. I use it, so which means I identified my kids, what is their love languages. So you have one of the kids that they love quality time with you. Those are the kids, I'll come home, I say, you know what, I need to go for a walk. You want to come with me for 15 minutes. That person, maybe on Monday night, they didn't see me, they went to sleep before I was home. But because Tuesday I gave them quality time, I'm in part of their life. They share with me what's going through in school. I wasn't absent in their life. So it's not about time. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. The other kid, it's about a gift. Okay, what do you want? Let, let me give you the gift and so on and so forth. So I have my rounds. And then we have the family dinner, which we call, which I try once a week, hook up a crook to come home early. And we have, you know, now the kids are a little older. So whoever could be home, no cell phones, no nothing. And we just sit as a family dinner. And, and, my kids sometimes wait when it's Tuesday, you know, when it's Tuesday, you know, stuff like that. Um, and when that happens, um, we also sometimes will play a game. I went on Amazon, bought it for $7.99, 40 ideas, how to, what to play at the dinner table. And I'll just play a game, not a, a, a chess game or something. I'll just interact with them. You know, everybody should say something about, you know, something positive about another family member. Why? Because that brings the family together. So again, going in the premise of quality versus quantity. If you have that and you're you're intentionally about that, you're going to build a stronger work-life balance regardless of, and and when you're working, give it all you got. You know, um, the only, the one thing I have is my, my, my wife knows that, you know, if, if I see home on the caller ID, I'll pick it up, even in a business meeting, just for respect. But they'll know, I say, I'm in a meeting. Is something important? No they know they don't have to interrupt versus versus why because they know i'll call back and then i'll take care of it but when you're with your family give them those quality times and it's going to be way more effective than making sure you're home every single day five o'clock so i hear that but i kind of have this little voice and i kind of i feel like i hear the listener saying for sure the female listeners you know (laughs) when the kids are going um you know when's tuesday when's tuesday there's like this guilt bubbling up (laughs) like oh my gosh they're waiting so much for tuesday why isn't every day tuesday why can't i get home every day and clear my head and who says it should only be once a week who makes those decisions and i feel like so many people struggle with those boundaries of how much is 
enough, how little is too little, you know, and we're striking that balance. I love the idea of 100%, 100%. I totally hold of that. But finding, finding that balance, who said it shouldn't be two days a week? Not for you. <laughs> yeah. So here's the answer. Here's the answer. Um, it's your obligation and your responsibility to pay attention to your situation. So meaning to say, for me, yeah, I was up 5.30 in the morning. I learned with my son every single day. Okay, check. I know that that's where I have some time with him. I know almost whenever, every night I'm home, I'll pick up one of my kids and go for a walk. Okay, they know that. And it's almost like when they're going with me and so on and so forth. There's the dinner. You know, we have a lot of holidays and stuff. So what I'm trying to say is pay attention. If you start hearing that from your kids too often, figure out how maybe it's not another Tuesday, but what else could I do to supplement that without, with, again, without ruining? Or, yeah, if it's, if it's only work, 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 you're going to come a time and you say, I regret it because I lost so much for my youth. I lost so much of my kids, and now they, I lost touch, so to speak. But if you pay attention to those work-life balance, you find those moments where you're giving them 100%. And if you need to give more, those are the times that you need to give more. But right. so every person will have to figure that out according to their situation, um, you know, um, their, you know, their work-life balance, their family size and so on and so forth. So I'm not here to give a recipe for everybody what to do. All I could say is find those moments, the 100% moments, so to speak, and put them as a routine. And that's where your kids and your work feels that, you know what? They really, he really cares. She really cares. It's not like ne neglecting the family because of work. I love so that. I think you sense? should coin that phrase. That should be like your registered, the hundred percent moments. I totally <laughs> see it as like a TM, you know? Yeah. It's actually, the, I think the hundred percent moments, I think is the first time I'm just saying it. I don't know. We just. Great. Well, we just officially coined it. It's yours now. I like it a lot. When I use it, I'll, I'll reference you. Okay. <laughs> Put it in your books. Um, okay. I love that. So I love how, you know, it really sounds like you kind of got it all under control, right? I got the family down. I know what to do there. I got the staff down and I got the boundaries there and I got the clients and I got their businesses growing. But you and I both know, because we work with growing business owners, that there's always a struggle. So I want to know what yours is. Absolutely. And if somebody will tell you they don't have a struggle, they're lying. Oh, for sure. Uh, the, way, <laughs> the, way, the way I look at things is, and I've shared this in, 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 in past uh, articles or podcasts as a guest, um, not every stumbling block is a reason to quit. So when you have that mindset, um, you know that things will happen constantly. Yeah, you as small business owner have their struggles. Apple computers, no matter how big giant they are, they have their struggles. You know, we might not hear of it every single day, but in the boardrooms, in those conversations, they're hard conversations, tough decisions every single day. So what I'm trying to say is that I have the mindset, and I've developed it over years, um, is that if I go out of my office, close the door at the end of the day, and everything happened, everything was perfect, my mind is telling me maybe something happened, but I wasn't notified yet. Okay. Yeah, it was, it's like it was too easy. Hang on. Okay, yeah, and the reason why, why I'm sharing this mindset is because automatically it's something comes up, not at the end of the world. We'll deal with it. It's a stumbling block. Let's figure it out. Let's assess the situation. This could be with an employee. Could be an issue with a client. Could be financial growth. It could be anything that a business goes through. So those struggles, everyday struggles, of course. 
but you deal with them every single day. You know, it doesn't have to be a reason to quit because that's what you signed up for. Hello, small business owner. You signed up for those things. It's not honeymoon, glory all day, every day. Never been. As you grow in scale, those, those, those challenges become bigger challenges. Facing larger money issues, facing larger personnel issues, facing larger competition, people entering your space. Guess what? If this is what you want to build, figure out how you're going to build it and make sure you have a mindset of coming, go, getting over those struggles. Now, I also want to point out, and I hope you can appreciate that, is the good part is there are people that can help you. Go out and find those people to help you. You're not alone. You will live in a world that you're not alone. Once upon a time, business owner had a struggle. They were alone. Now, people like you, people like us, and so many other people, or even your peer or your friend in, in whatever, wherever you find them, has probably gone through it. Nothing is unique. People say, oh, my business is unique. The business might be unique. The challenges usually are not unique. Those are challenges that everybody faces. So find out how people overcome that. And just, it's going to be hard work, but that's what you signed up for. For sure. And I that's how you deal with it. Line. Um, it's a Richard Branson line. I love most of his lines. That's the truth. Um, cool. He said, pay good money for good advice. Yeah. So, and the reason is, and I'm a strong believer, and uh, I spend a lot of money in consultants, uh, consultant services and going to Me conferences too. and stuff like that. <laughs> I just want to learn something, a new marketing um, gig. I could have spent three, four days in figuring out myself. I know for sure. I said, I want to spend five hours with somebody that's expert because it's going to take me, first of all, it's going to take me way quicker, but a lot of the mistakes I would have done in the process, now I know the answers from the get-go. But this is just, in general, the reason I'm sharing this is because, because there's so much information. Once upon a time, people were afraid to share. There's so much good stuff. I'm not saying go, go on YouTube and just find a video that will help you because you don't know what's behind it. You don't know. You want strategic help. And, and go to someone, a business friend, mentor, uh, a consultant, or somebody that just you could just pick up the phone and schedule an hour and say, I have those challenges. And sometimes it could be a, a, some, something so simple, but you just didn't see it in your business because you're looking at from within the box versus out of the box. For sure. So you just told us how to deal with struggles and you acknowledge that you have some, but you did not tell me what one of them is. I noticed. Absolutely. I'm not shy. I'm saying uh, we always say managing the growth is always the hardest part. Okay. So um, what does that mean? So managing the growth means that you, me as, you know, as the CEO of a company, I'm always looking up next. For instance, I'm now at a stage where I mentioned before, it's we're 18 years in, but I need to figure out how does the next 18 years look? Um, which means that it puts almost like black, you know, back the blank canvas to see I could technically take whatever we have, the whole puzzle, and continue to build upon it, or I could just dismantle it and build it differently, vertically, horizontal, um, um, add this service, kill this service, uh, make it make packages. There's so many opportunities. So by us, um, I would say the biggest struggle is those 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 opportunities that come knocking on our door every single day and different things and figuring out how do we stay focused okay so that's probably i would say if you ask me for that one thing which is a great book that i recommend to my to everybody is the one thing is to to put that in practical terms to make sure that we very focused on what we need to focus and 
we don't let opportunity come our way and dismantle what we're trying to build because we get we get pulled on a lot of different sides. Totally, so and I, I say, know that a lot. Like the bigger people are, um, like I interviewed John Lee Dumas on the show, one of the oh, nice. biggest entrepreneurs, and his struggle was exactly that. He said basically he doesn't know anyone at his level that doesn't deal with it. Just you know, all the opportunities that come your way that you would have killed for a couple of years previously. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I got to I got to tell you that my hardest thing that I had to implement and it's it's becoming harder by the day, especially if you're out there and speaking and people know about you is the saying no. And I really like when like I get emails every single day, could we schedule a call and I'll go the extra mile and respond. Could you tell me what it's all about? And the reason is sometimes it's somebody from my team that could help you and others if it's this and this and that it's not fitting within what, what I'm focusing on. I would say, you know, you could you could check back in a few months or I could give you somebody else to work with, but it's not something that I'm able to undertake. And that's not only in my business, it's in my personal life and it's in, 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 in community services. You know, um, on my wall over here is my personal mission, which is I believe every person should be given the opportunity to succeed in life. And this is something I live by, which helping people in general, you know, um, it could be, um, you know, the young teenager trying to figure out, like uh, I had a few weeks ago, somebody saying, I want to do something with my life. I need somebody to listen to me for half an hour to see if I can help me figure it out. But I love doing it. I could do this, I could do this all day, every day. However, when you have the responsibility as CEO of building a company and other people are banking on you to have that vision and cast that vision and build that vision, you have to limit um, those things. And saying no is one of the hardest things I could say um, I struggle on a daily basis. For sure. I actually said no to my first speaking engagement um, that, that I said yes to. It's not the first thing I ever said no to speaking wise, but it's the first one that like I first said yes and then said no, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. And it takes, it takes a lot of courage because maybe yeah. I, I said should yes, do I'm like, it. This sounds okay. Exactly. I'm like, this sounds okay. And you know, I almost never refuse speaking because A, it's my favorite thing. It's how I built my whole business. Um, but I realized that the people pulling it together, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't befitting to my brand where it's at yep. now. Yeah. And, uh, and to get it there, I was going to have to take it on and I was not holding. Mm. And I just, I, I said, sorry, <laughs> it was so hard. I'm like, did I really just do that? Did I really just take an opportunity that, and you should just know three years ago, I would have killed for something like that for someone to reach out yeah. to me and be like, Hey, we're going to bring you in. We want you to be at this thing. They were bringing me in. And I just looked at all the branding and the marketing of it. And I'm like, I don't want my face on that. I don't, I don't want my face on that. Like, that's not the kind of thing my face goes on. Yeah. You know, when, and you hit that level where you realize that and you're like, you know, there's always that moment where you're like, am I just full of myself? And you're like, no, no, I'm really not. Like, that's really just not where we are anymore. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, so definitely. Um, um, so how do you filter? How do you choose? So uh, you start off with, you know, your strategic goals for the year and for the quarter uh, that you build out for your company. And then you build out those things based on what matches up with, with those strategic goals. For instance, um, you spoke about speaking engagements. I also have to say no to some speaking engagements and some I will kill myself to be there. Why? Because it's very, it's very well positioned with the, you know, where we want to be and which market we're going after and so on and so forth. So those are the things um, that that's how you actually filter those out. Um, I also try to do a little bit of gatekeeping. So let's say people want your time, make it a little bit, a little complicated for them to reach out to you. And, and I'm saying it not in a, in, 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 in a negative way or something that trying to, um, uh, you know, 
um, you know, to be, um, you know, sneaky with that. It just, I'll give you an example. So I'll send out a calendar invite. Um, here is, you could go schedule a, a call with me, but I only see you available next week. Okay. I, I wanted to speak to you today. Is it important for today? No. Okay. So then let's wait for next week. Why should I just let you interrupt my day if I already have it scheduled? Or yeah, respond to me first in email. What's all about? You know, I know it's going to take you 15 minutes and you might not be perfectly able to explain it. But yeah, but let me let's get the conversation started. So that's another effort. So give give them a little bit of let them do a little bit of input before you actually here's my calendar. Just go ahead and do it. You know, you know, there's an old saying that I always say that if you speak to like long term um C like uh, like CEOs from larger companies, they would say, you know, tell me your life story. Well, I started at a, a mail room. I, I basically started sorting the mail and then I became the clerk and the clerk I became the customer service, service managers, and now I'm the CEO. What do, what do you do now? You click in your inbox and keep on refreshing. Let's see, back to the mail. You're back <laughs> to the mail. You, you worked yourself up only to be busy with your inbox. That's right, That's... because CEO is chief email officer. <laughs> so... So, which means is that if just because somebody interrupted you or just sent, decided to send you an email now, doesn't mean you have to you have to run to check it and then respond to it. Let alone social media. Now, if you're doing customer service, yes, you better be on top of your game and respond. But if you're the CEO, hopefully you have people running customer service. You have to be able to have discipline and saying, you know, I need to focus on stuff, and that's where I use my calendar properly, and that's where I block out time, and because otherwise. It's just, it's free for all. And you basically have people, invite people into you. For sure. I love that. I actually, um, uh, when we launched our marketing magic course in January, so I just, my emails got totally out of hand. I think the course launch like tipped me at least over the edge. And I was like, I can't, I cannot deal with email anymore. I almost brought in a VA to just be me in my email. And then I was like, you know what? No, I put an autoresponder on. And it just says, you know, for these and these issues, email these and these different people. There's a whole bunch of people on the team. Stop sending me everything. Yeah. I'm not even always the right address. I'm not managing everything. Um, yeah. Like if you have a question about your billing, it actually doesn't go to me. I'm not going to deal with it. You know, yeah. a lot of these technical things. And so someone said to me recently, one, um, one of my um, contractors, it's like, Esty, I think your autoresponder is a little overzealous. <laughs> he said, well, I get it even when I CC you on things. Um, I was like, that's so interesting. I'm, I don't know how to disable that. I mean, my goal was kind of to let everybody know, don't email me stuff unless you need me to answer it. Meaning I don't need a BCC. And he's like, ah, mm. then it's doing exactly its job. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, you know, uh, when people want to just, they, they, they want to do the job and they're sending an email to 10 people, you know, I would actually respond sometimes, please remove me from this chain of emails. Um, and I, politely, even people on my team. Just do an autoresponder. You'll annoy everybody. <laughs> yeah. So again, again, there is like, I, I liked like, like my audience, you mentioned before the Let's Talk Business, uh, we send out our emails and uh, you know, business tips on an ongoing basis. People always ask me, do you get those emails? Absolutely, I get those emails and I respond to every single one of them. However, it's not coming into my inbox. It's coming into a different folder that I have my periodic times. I go in there, I look at what you wrote and respond to it. No, I'm not outsourcing it. If you're sending an email to Manny Hoffman, I'm not outsourcing to any people, although I have assistants and I have VAs and stuff like that. But the point is, you have it's so much on you to decide what is a priority to you. It's so much on you to decide what you want to focus on and to manage that. 
to manage your time properly. And if you do a lot of those things, you'll you'll start seeing, wait a minute, I was able to focus today. Wow, I accomplished something on my to-do list for the longest time, and now I got to do it. Why? Because you actually blocked out two hours to do it. Right. I love that. I think that's a great note for us to wrap up on, right? If you own your time, no one else can take it from you and you can build whatever you want. I love it. So where can people find you? You know, because they don't want to work with me. They should go straight to you. <laughs> yeah. So um, they could find me a couple of ways. Obviously, our company um, our website is ptexgroup.com, P-T-E-X-G-R-O-U-P.com. They could find more about the company, what we do as a company. But more about me is manyhoffman.com. That's many with the E, M-E-N-Y-H-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I'm very active on social media, primarily those days on LinkedIn. So they could see my tips and stuff and also join my mailing list to get my Let's Talk Business monthly roundups that we send out on a, on a, on a biweekly basis. Okay, amazing. So guys, we're going to put all those links at sdrand.com slash 57 for the episode number. So you can get the PTEX group, Manny's website, and his LinkedIn um, short link at sdran.com slash 57. Um, and if you've heard any of the podcasts, mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you for a quote to leave our listeners with. Okay. So before, before I get to the quote, yeah. just, uh, I'll, I'll do something. I love engaging with people on podcasts that I am part of. Okay. If anybody will reach out to me, I'll send them my free guide on delegation. Oh, okay. They cool. Reach out, hey, I listened to the podcast, whatever, some feedback on it, ask for their, the delegation guide and I'll send it to them. Um, quote of the day is version one is better than version none. Um, and what I mean by that is I think it needs an explanation as sometimes we overthink moves in our company and therefore we don't do it because it needs to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. Obviously, I know the statement people always ask me when I say this, um, isn't the first impression everything? I'm not saying that you need to do something that you're going to be dismantled or, or hate doing. I'm saying that if you want to implement something about culture, you want to start doing something with your employees, you want to start doing a better, uh, um, a better uh, process with your customers, you know, create something that will give you the momentum to build upon it versus, again, I'm still not done. I'm still not done. I'm still not launched. I'm still not launched. I'm still not this new product. I want to do research. So always remember, um, perfection um don't let perfection get in the way of progress i love um, that i just posted a video on that done is cool. better than perfect i just put today i just cool. put that out so we are so in sync so this is complimenting <laughs> don't let perfection get in the way of progress or version one is better than version none i like version one is better than version none it has a good <laughs> ring to it benny this has been great guys go to sdran.com 57 to get all those links and to get your free guide on delegation by telling many how much you loved hearing him on my show and you know you're subscribed already. And if you're not, um, hello, just hit subscribe. You should have done that while you were listening, obviously. But if you've been listening, you know that right now what I want are your reviews, please. And I'm loving watching them come in. I've been seeing them. I need you to tell me what you love. I need you to tell me what you love more. I know you're listening. Some of you reach out to me on social, and I love that too. And right now, I want your reviews on iTunes so that iTunes will know how much you love me. So leave me a review, tell me what you love and what you love more, and we will catch you next week. Many, thank you so much for joining me. It was my pleasure being You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. 
If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?